Does truth exist? Because you have faith, does that make this book true? Does God exist? So when someone says there is no truth, if you apply the claim to itself, what should you say? Is that true? They don't think Christianity is true. They're talked out of it. You know why they're talked out of it? Because they've never been talked into it. Cross-examining skeptical and atheistic views. Welcome to Cross-Examine with Dr. Frank Turek. Welcome to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist, ladies and gentlemen, with me, Frank Turek. I am here in Albuquerque, New Mexico with my friend Melissa Doherty, and uh, we are here for the Cross-Examined Instructor Academy. The reason we're here is because Melissa wanted us to come here. And for those of you that don't know who Melissa is, her YouTube channel is exploding. What is the YouTube channel, Melissa, just so everyone knows? What is my YouTube channel? Yeah, is it it's Melissa my Do- name, Melissa Doherty. Real, real original. How creative yes, is that? Really? That is amazing. I know. Now you came out of the new age and that is as creative as you could have gotten? Yeah, you know, you'd expect more from me. But that's <laughs> what I came up with, man. All I, right. In hindsight, it's funny. I was just talking to Elisa earlier because I'm like, man, I wish that I had come up with like, I didn't know that anybody would like my talking face, right? I didn't know that anybody would want to listen to what I had to say to this extent. And I would have come up with something ministry-like, like wittier or something. Something new age na- <laughs> Yeah. Other than my name, but yeah, it is what it is. Cross-examined, you know, that works too. Well, you could use that or you could just use Melissa Crystals and Smith. That, com. No. that would get the point across. So anyway, <laughs> uh, let's talk. About, we're going to talk about a lot of issues on this program mm-hmm. today. First of all, we're in Albuquerque. You're a native of Albuquerque. Mm-hmm. It is a, sort of a left-leaning place. Yeah. Very new agey. So Santa Fe, I've been yeah, there. Man's house, yeah. Right. So how did you become a Christian? First of all, how did you start out? Mm-hmm. What did you believe as a younger person and how did you become a Christian? Yeah, so... Um, I always grew up in like a household that taught about God. It was new age, new thought, which I'll explain that in a minute. They're right. not the same thing. Um, and I always heard about Jesus and the power of our minds. And uh, scripture was quoted and all the things. It was just a really mystical kind of view of Jesus. And But I came a Christian at 16. So my impression of Jesus was, oh, he exists, God exists. And for me, I remember it was an eclipse. I saw an eclipse as a kid and I'm like, there has to be a God, like intrinsically new, because that was too perfect to me. Um, just the perfect size of the moon. So it was a design there. argument it that got you. It was the design. Right. And I was small. I didn't know tele- teleological argument. Right. I didn't know anything like that. But there was something intrinsic about watching an eclipse. And so um, I became an actual Christian at 16, though. And it was amazing. I had a really great experience with that, best six months of my life after that. But I had questions that nobody could answer. And I've talked about this a lot, but uh, just basic one-on-one questions couldn't answer. And what ended up happening is the beliefs that I grew up with and um, uh, the Christianity that I just adopted, because it wasn't strengthened and discipled, I ended up accidentally adopting really new thought teachings. Um, new age is always a part of that, but it looks Christian. New thought looks Christian. What is new thought? New uh, new thought, okay, so um, it's a term, it's not new, and ironically, uh, doesn't use a lot of the brain that you think it would, so thought is kind of strange, but it's not new, it's the same lie regurgitated that you can be like God, you are divine in some way. But new thought is, is not new age. New age is its own bucket. Um, new thought, uh, literally this is what I want you to do. Take every Christian definition and rehash it in a metaphysical uh, definition and you have a new thought. So everything has a different meaning. Like Christ 
is not anointed one and Messiah. It is on, on the literal sense, but it means uh, your inner divinity that you can awaken. Um, atonement means something else, justification, everything else. And so you see these words and these, uh, you know, talking about Jesus and salvation and all the things. And wow, this sounds super spiritual. This sounds like, wow, these, these closed-minded, judgmental, literal Christians have no idea what they're talking about. And the thing is, and this is key, it's rooted in Gnosticism. So there's always a secret underlying esoteric meaning in scripture. And only those awakened in the Christ consciousness can understand scripture. And so that you're always trying to do that. You're always trying to keep your mind awake. It's it's positive thinking. Um, it started with the uh, uh, mind cure, like kind of a mind cure movement where you're in, in the 1800s with a guy named Phineas Quimby where um, your mind could heal you and it worked. People actually found that they felt better and he claimed to be healed through these methods. And so what happened is uh, there became this uh, universal view of mind, a divine mind, where the universe, God, isn't it. Um, and they, they, think, they think it's strange that we have an anthrop anthropomorphic view of God. It's an it and it lives inside. And so all these things. And so I'm thinking, wow, this is a higher level of Christianity. And uh, so, but new age is fine. I'm fine using that term as an ex new ager and new age. I've always explained myself as an ex new ager. I just think people understand it and they always overlap. There's always overlap there, but. So you became a Christian when you were 16, mm -hmm. six months later, because nobody got your answers. You're now Around. involved in new thought. Yes. And not and knowing it. I had no idea. I thought it was real Christian. So what did you, what did it, what did you do practically mm -hmm. in this religion? How did it change your life? Um, in new thought yeah thinking oh gosh i felt very powerful and the thing is is that okay so progressive christianity again me and elisa have a joke where there's just so much elisa children yes elisa children okay. yeah um there's so much overlap there i was very progressive too and i just didn't know the word for it uh and it, it you're like a walking coexist sticker everybody loves you everybody likes you and you think that you are the poster child of tolerant Christianity, and everybody likes that kind of Jesus. That's a Jesus that they can relate to, supposedly. That's a Jesus that everybody can accept. And so that was kind of the thing that I liked. So that Jesus was, was essentially Barney, you're saying? Basically. Okay. Yeah. You Can't know, we all just get along, boys and girls? Exactly. Yes, okay. <laughs> right. Yes, and uh, the fact that you felt powerful, like they're, they're okay, so like the law of attraction, that's not mm -hmm. new age, that's new thought. And the idea is that your thoughts, words, and emotions have power. And when you're taught that, that the world, everything, you are made out of energy. Everything around us is made out of energy and has a frequency. And if I can somehow manipulate that and affect that with my thoughts and emotions, how powerful, right? And so you're told and taught these things and there's an appeal to it. So you're, you're, you're taught that you're God, uh, essentially? Yes. And so, so people hear that. That's, that's the basic underlying everything. So that's how, where they how do all these better. gods then die? We put them in coffins and put them in the ground. Basically. Mm -hmm. How does that work? Well, they, how do they explain that? Well, there's all there's there's an ultimate reconciliation or a, a sense of universalism after you die, right? And so, for example, you know how I said everything's not literal, right? Right. The resurrection isn't literal either in New Thought. The resurrection is like a, a an awakening of your conscious. That's how they would see that. So you do live on in a conscious state. Yes. But do you become be. one with the universe kind of thing? Yeah. So then how do how are you still conscious if you're one with the universe? How, how are you still conscious with your one with the universe? Yeah. I'm not sure how they'd answer that. Okay. So I, it's, I don't think I even thought that far. So there's no systematic theology of new age or new thought you're saying? Yeah, that's actually a good way to put it. Yes, there's no... See, and that's the thing is uh, you can't have either one of these without relativism. Okay. You can't. 
uh, living your truth. Um, self-reliance is a big thing. Yourself is the authority. It's it's the inner divine. And this is why they're so melded into society, these beliefs, because you have to respect everybody's truth and what they believe, because that's what their inner divine is saying. It's garbage, Frank. <laughs> so <laughs> explain not. why this is a variation of the first lie. Oh, because it's that you're divine, that you can be your own God. Um, that's where New Age and New Thought basically go together, is that you're... You're your own God, and we hear that in our ears. We think that's ridiculous. You know, like that's um, wrong because we have what I would see as a correct view of God, especially as how the Bible reveals him and how nature reveals him. But for them, uh, God is in within us all, and it's in the universal melding of 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 the universe. They call it the divine mind, and so we're. But it's in it. So how can a mind be in it? Because a mind is supposed to have will, but its don't have will. See, and you're asking the very questions that I would ask and they've asked. In fact, I've done interviews about this, which we'll talk about in just a minute because I know we have a... Yeah, we got 30 more seconds. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Well, real quick, let me give you the 30-second rundown of this. I mean, I got out of these beliefs because I I was forced to think about them. All right. It's kind of the thing. Jehovah's Witnesses came in and kind of asked me questions I didn't know how to answer. And that was in 2011, and I've been in ministry ever since. Jehovah's Witnesses saved you out of new thought, and then you became a Christian? It's crazy. Man, those Jehovah's Witnesses are very effective evangelists for Christianity, (laughs) aren't they? How did that happen? (laughs) The irony still gets me, yeah. (laughs) Well, we're going to have a lot more with Melissa Doherty, and actually her website is melissadoherty.co, not .com, .co. Spell Doherty so people know. D-O-U-G-H, like dough. Uh-huh. E-R-T-Y. And uh, how has this teaching infiltrated the church? That's my next next question. You're not going to want to miss the rest of this uh, podcast, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist, back in two. If you're low on the FM dial looking for national public radio, go no further. We're actually going to tell you the truth here. That's our intent anyway. You're listening to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist with me, Frank Turk. My guest today, former New Ager, New Thoughter, now Christian apologist and phenomenal YouTuber, Melissa Doherty. Before I get back to Melissa, though, you need to know that we're just about to start the Stealing from God online course. We have only a few slots left. If you want to be a part of the Stealing from God online course, go to crossexamine.org. Click on online courses. You'll see it there. If you take the premium version, you'll be with me on at least six occasions for one hour plus Q&A Zoom sessions where you can ask any question you want and we'll interact and learn from one another. All right, let me go back to my guest, Melissa Doherty. So, Melissa, you actually became a Christian as a result of a Jehovah's Witness coming to your door and you were a New Ager. Yeah. And so what? how did, how did that motivate you to get into the Bible and learn who the true God was? Well, it was something they said that caused me to research their religion uh-huh. and it was that Jesus was Michael the Archangel. Uh-huh. Now, remember at the time, uh, there's... I want to say it's religious pluralism, but it's really not. It's um, it's it's syncretism, but it's you know, all beliefs believe in the same thing. There's there's truth in all beliefs, and therefore many different paths to God, many different ways to truth, and so that's kind of how I believed uh, in Christian denominations. The only difference is that I had a daughter at the time, and I'm like, oh, she's going to grow up and ask me questions and. Maybe I should revisit these questions that I used to have. And I thought when they came to my door, I'm like, oh, the universe, God, you're giving me the answers that I always wanted. And I thought I manifested them. It's hilarious to me still to this day. And uh, they just started 
telling me what they believe. And that Jesus was Michael the Archangel really bothered me. And so I started researching their religion. And what happened is simultaneously, I'm learning, hey, if they're wrong, because, you know, a lot of ministries existed online at the time to show what Jehovah's Witnesses believed and why they were wrong. And they were very good. If they're wrong and they're right, but then if they're right, I'm wrong. (laughs) And so it caused me to research the biggest hurdle to my whole uh, Christian life was the Bible. I did not trust the Bible. I did not know where it came from, anything like that. So long story short, I did. I did the research, asked a lot of questions, and there were people in these ministries that really helped me and helped answer my questions. And that's one reason and how I got into witnessing to cults, first off. Uh, was because they were the first ones I learned about, and I loved them. I still do. I have a love for Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons, and I love you know talking to them. And But it took me a long time to talk about this thing, this belief system that I just come out of because I was trying to understand it. And I was kind of embarrassed. People at my church especially could not understand where I was coming from. So it was kind of lonely. And the thing was is that over time I realized, wow, you guys believe in these things too. You just don't know it. And particularly, you know, the the beliefs that I believed in, uh, prosperity and positive confession specifically, um, a law of attraction, actually, I saw in the church, same scriptures, same exact terms, same exact sentences, everything. And I'm like, whoa, how is this happening? Do you guys know what you're doing here? And because I'm reading this in the Bible, like why that's wrong on this area, new age, new thought. And like, why is this wrong? But then why are we over here in the church doing it? So that's when I started really kind of connecting. Oh, there's things in the church that that believe these things, that people are trying to make good of these things. It wasn't this church we're at right no. now. Right? We're right now at Calvary Chapel, <laughs> yeah, Albuquerque, and the pastor is Skip Heitzik, who's yeah. been a great pastor for many years. Mm. Calvary Chapels, I love Calvary Chapels because they preach through the Bible. Mm. They teach people what the Bible says, essentially. And they've got some great preachers. So Skip is one of them. Jack Hibbs is another. Uh, There are several great Calvary Chapel pastors. And you've been at this church then how long? The one Uh, we're at right now? Oh, three years. Maybe a little over three. Okay. But around three, yeah. Okay, so you were going to another church Mm -hmm. and these new age, new thought beliefs were infiltrating into the church. Our listeners and viewers right now are wondering what those were Mm -hmm. and... How can they identify them in their own church mm-hmm. if, in fact, they are in their own church? Give, give us a few of them. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I mentioned a few times, and I really want to parse this out, that there's a difference between New Age and New mm-hmm. Thought. Um, new Thought is supposed to look Christian. Okay. Same terms, same terminology. And I think that's really where Christians get, uh, you know, uh, tripped up. Who termed it New Thought? Where does this come from? Oh, you know, it's funny you say that, because uh, in my research, uh, I, I can't remember the name of the guy. It was a New Thought author. Uh who named it New Thought, but the idea was that these are new thoughts for a new age. And it was in the 1800s, you know, because that's when the New Thought movement was coming about. And um, yeah, but early, late 1700s, early 1800s. A lot of cults came out of the 1800s. I I literally was about to have that come out of my mouth, yes. Yeah, I mean, you've got Jehovah's Witnesses, you've got Mormons, Mormons, you've got now... The Mind Science Cures, you have... uh, And and Mary Baker Eddy and Christian Christian Science. Science is New Thought. 
In is fact, it? yes. All right. um, the Christian science, here's the thing with Christian science. My great-grandparents were Christian scientists. Okay. In a lot of the books that were on my shelf that you I read. You don't mean they were physicists. No. You mean that <laughs> no. they were what? They're, which is ironic because yeah. you know how you said progressive Christianity is yeah. neither progressive nor Christian. Yeah. They're neither Christian nor scientists. Okay. But to them, this was... Uh, in their language, what they were trying to relay is that this is a pragmatic Christianity. This is a a a Christianity that can be that isn't based on just faith. Like you're talking about tangible. This is their definition, not what I believe. But there's a tangible way to use these things from the universe in order to to meet your needs. So it's all about you. you. Yes. It's all meology yes. rather than theology. Yes. But yes. So this is a way I can manipulate this God, whatever it is, mm -hmm. for my own benefit. Yeah, and see, they wouldn't see it that way. They would say that, oh, I'm not manipulating anything. It's within me. I'm just trying to awaken it. That's how they would see that. You're trying to awaken the God You're within. trying to awaken your, your divine. So what they would say, and you'll hear me talk about this mm -hmm. tomorrow in person, but uh, like the Christ consciousness, okay? People hear that and think... Um, a, they don't wonder. They wonder what it is, but Christ consciousness. This trips people up because it sounds Christian. It's not New Age, though. Christ consciousness is not New Age. That is a new thought term, and um, the idea is that that's your inner dormant divinity waiting to be awakened. So Jesus, okay, obtained the Christ, and that's what made him divine. And you can do the same thing. Absolute garbage. If you were to have a literal reading of Scripture, you would never walk away with that. You have to have. Uh, this non-literal, I don't want to say subjective, but it's this, this what they would say, metaphysical view of or the Bible. Allegorical or allegorical or metaphorical mm -hmm. view. Yes. So yes. what specific views did you see in a supposedly yeah. evangelical church? Yeah, so let's get back to that. So uh, first, I'm going to start with law of attraction. All right. So law of attraction is... Um, Which I like that. I'm kind of attracted to it. Uh, <laughs> you shouldn't be. You should run. I should run? Run. Should run. <laughs> what is it? What is the law of attraction? Law of detraction. So the law, of, it's a new thought. All right. Um, it's specifically, it's new thought, not new age. And uh, what this is, is that there's an idea that, I think I explained it to you just a second ago, that yeah, like everything has a frequency. Your thoughts, feelings, and emotions have uh, an impact on the frequencies around you based on how you feel. And so if you're, the universe is a mirror and you're a mirror. And so what that means, I'm making this a very simple uh, explanation. What I'm thinking and feeling has to be reflected back to me. So how, you tr how I treat you and how I talk to you, I'm talking to myself is how I would view that. And that's how they would take verses like Matthew 7, 7, ask, believe, uh, ask, seek, believe, you will receive, and then do unto others, um, you do to yourself. They take those things those are true things, but do you see how with in in uh, with context of what I just said, how that could be twisted into oh, what I do to you, I do to myself. L Law of attractions in the Bible, you know, it's everywhere, everywhere, and uh, lots of writers have written about it. And the other thing with the law of attraction, though, and this is specifically how it's in the church, is I hear a lot of Christians talk about the concept of a law of attraction without using the word, where it's like, oh, I don't want to speak that and believe it. I can't say that. You know, I'm going to mm. attract that to myself. But then there's also this, if you take the opposite and, and embrace it and think, wow, yes, this is in the Bible and I can speak it. I can make this happen. If I have enough faith, I can manifest this. I can I can create this. So this is in the Bible. It is uh, sort of uh, aligned with the prosperity gospel movement then? Yes. That's okay. the next thing. So, right. and again, I'll talk about this tomorrow, but um, the- But these people listening- <laughs> won't be here tomorrow. They won't be here tomorrow. So go ahead. Yeah, uh -huh. you're, it's going to be repetitious for uh -huh. Frank, but uh -huh. 
Um, there's demonstrable overlap um, between the prosperity gospel and the word of faith. Okay, so the word of faith um, trickles into the NAR and the NAR, New Apostolic Reformation. Okay. Uh, they're kind of the same bucket. All right. Um, that's more on that in a second. But the word of faith is where it's it's prosperity preaching, okay? That that God wants you to be well. He wants you to be healthy. He wants you to be wealthy. This is part of the gospel. Now, what people don't realize is there's three things that make up the prosperity gospel. The mind cure movement, um, which kind of came in, you know, like you have, you have all these people speaking in tongues and they're trying to, and they're Christian. Um, and then you have the uh, Pentecostalism and then you have new thought. So it's not just new thought. So people that say that, oh, it's it's all this new thought, it's all them, it's not. It's actually a mixture of those things. However, I can show, I believe that prosperity teaching and positive confessions really overlap with new thought teachings demonstrably. And in fact, there was a woman, her name was Emma Curtis Hopkins. She was a devout new thought feminist. Uh, nobody's ever heard of her, but you have heard of her teachings. And there was a saying, there is good and I ought to have it. That simple saying that she, it was a mantra, an affirmation, not a mantra, that's more new age. It's affirmation that she, they would say over and over again, uh, evolved into the prosperity gospel because God is good and he wills you to only have goodness, health, wealth, prosperity, everything. And what ha ended up happening is this got adopted into mainstream churches. And so the, the origins of the prosperity gospel um, very much overlap with new thought. And then positive confession, every time I read about positive confession, I'm like, man, this is the law of attraction. Just speaking, believing, receiving, manifesting your desires. If you want it um, and you have enough faith, you must have it. Um, everything I just said are from new thought writers, yet people that are familiar with word of faith teachings think, oh, that's in my church. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I'm like, actually, everything I just quoted is new th from New Thought authors. So it's um, that's why I was confused. Now, specifically New Age. New Age, you know, before we got on, we talked about Bethel. And I've not made a lot of videos about Bethel. I have a bone to pick with Bethel because of these things. Explain to people who okay. are listening who Bethel is. Bethel so they... Redding uh, in California. Mm -hmm. uh, they are a charismatic church that, let me just start with this, do a lot of good things, okay? I know many charismatics that have taught me a lot about prayer, they have taught me so much about um, many things, things that in the Bible that I never even would have thought of, okay? So it's not charismatic. Um, specifically, this is the leadership at, at Bethel. Mm -hmm. And my my issue is, um, oh, and for the record, Bethel is very well known in the Christian atmosphere for their music, mm -hmm. okay? And their music is actually part of their theology. And the experts on this are Holly Pivik, experts in my opinion, uh, Holly Pivik and Doug Guyvet. They wrote a book recently called, I can't remember. Uh, Counterfeit Kingdom. Counterfeit Kingdom. If you really want to go deep on this, that's the book to get. But go ahead. Yeah. Oh, gee, we're coming up on a break. Yeah. Look at that. <laughs> I got you. You got me. You're looking at the clock. I'm so engrossed. <laughs> we're with Melissa Doherty. We got three seconds. We're back in two minutes. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. My guest, Melissa Doherty, melissadoherty.com, dot co, dot co, dot co. Get that right. Satsio. She's very economical. You don't need the M. Yep. Just melissadoherty.co. We were talking just before the break about this church known as Bethel. Yeah, yeah. Up in Northern California. 
yeah. pick it up right where we left off. Yeah, and so a lot of us have been a, a very open mm-hmm. about talking about this because I think it needs to be addressed, you know, and balanced, you know, because I think that there's, these are people, they have feelings, they have beliefs. Um, I think that we need to be mindful though to call out bad theology because bad theology hurts people. Yes. And people get hurt by this and they get mad at God. And I think it's really important that people understand that a lot of the foundation for a lot of these beliefs are not biblical. Mm. And that changes everything. Because all of a sudden you're like, oh, I can separate God from the church. What would you say is one of their central beliefs that isn't biblical? Well, okay. Since we're on the topic of New Age, this is my biggest, one of my biggest pickles is this. Um, And they have actually currently taken down this book from their bookstore, Physics of Heaven. I've made a video about it. Um, But basically this book, the entire book is an apologetic for why we need to go into the new age and new thought and redeem it for the gospel. So let me, let me, let me pan this out for you. Let me put it this way. Okay. Things like auras, spirit guides, crystals. um, Christians ought to be practicing that stuff. Yes. We should be redeeming them. What What does that mean? Redeeming them. So basically you're taking something that I believe God told you to divorce, to stay away Uh from. And you're saying, no, we need to use this for the kingdom. We, we can make this good. But what is the kingdom, according to them? Okay, this has to do with their eschatology. Um, <laughs> all right, this is my theory, and I believe it could be shown. I always wondered this. Why are they so obsessed with signs, wonders, and miracles? I never understood this because there's this hunger, sinful hunger for power. Um, and this is my thing, is that I loved having spiritual power. I thought that I could make things happen with my mind. Did you through an occult means, do you think? Did I? You yeah. know what? There's a few times. Um, and that's the thing, is that people do it because it works. Because there is power, yeah, that way. And yeah. I, I'm researching this right now okay. because I want to know why that works. Because mm-hmm. that's why people use it. Right. I mean, in, in the 1800s, people left Christianity by the droves for this thing, this new thought thing. That they still are, by the way. People, there's new thought centers, but people believe this stuff and don't realize, oh, that's not real Christianity. But this works for me, so it must be true. Um, and the idea, especially healing, okay, healing was the biggest thing that that sparked new thought into what it is, is because people would cure themselves through their thinking, through their mind. And so, if you change how you think and how you believe, you will be healed. And you hear this a lot from faith healers. You know, like, you, why do you think you hear them say, don't say you're sick? You don't say that. You, you will make it happen if you say it because your words have power. That's I'm so not, sick of these people. Dude, tell me about it. Think about, I mean, Richard Howe's wife is out there right now, yeah. right? You got Hillary um, here and she's sick. Hillary Morgan Ferrer, yeah. My best friend in the world is chronically ill. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, you know what? And we just had a- It's their fault, right? They just don't have fault. enough faith. They're, exactly. they're not thinking right. Yeah. In fact, okay, so the research that I'm doing for all of this, there is a, I've been doing interviews galore and I'll, I'll call, there's a New Thought Sp- uh, Spiritual Center out in Arizona and I called them and I'm just interviewing. I'm like, whoever will talk to me. And I ask them the same set of questions. And um, the first thing I asked her about, or at least we got talking about is this, is sickness. And uh, she said she felt like a fraud. And I'm like, well, why? And she's like, well- and she hesitated deeply and she's like, cause I'm, and then she stopped, I'm sick. And I'm like, oh, and immediately I knew how hard and why that was so hard for her to say. Mm. You're not supposed to say that. Mm. But after I said that and she, it's like she thought maybe I would correct her. She's not in a church. This is a woman with new thought beliefs. And so um, I asked her, I'm like, well, what do you have? 
And she's like, well, and she hummed and hawed and immediately changed the subject. And again, I knew why. You're not supposed to dwell on that negative thing because you will attract it to yourself. All right. Now, let me circle on back here because Bethel. All right. All right. Their theology, everything that has to do with signs, wonders, and miracles, in my opinion, has everything to do with their eschatology. They have what's called, uh, and, and again, Holly and, and Doug parse this out so much better, in my opinion. But, in the um, book? In their book, Counterfeit Kingdom. Okay. Please get it. Um, I think Christians really need to know about these things. Um, they have a very balanced, very fair. They don't go after them. You know what I mean? They're, Personally, they're just yes. trying to look at their theology and yes. see if it works. Test all things, said Paul. Yes. Paul named false teachers on six occasions mm-hmm. in his books. Yes. Named them. Romans 16 talks about Yes. He, he specifically says, like, you're, you can't get mad at the people correcting the bad th- theology. Get right. mad at the people bringing in yes, the bad the, theology. Yes. Romans 16, which yeah. is flyover country for most people because it's mostly like, greet Rufus. Okay, I don't know <laughs> who Rufus is, but you know, right <laughs> nestled in there though, yes. he basically says the divisive people are the people bringing the false teachings yes. in, not the people who are trying to support the true teachings. Exactly. So you're not divisive if you call people out, hey, that's a false teaching. They're the divisive ones, the false teachers. So yep. so Bethel, the kingdom, what is the kingdom to okay, them? Okay, so they have a kingdom now theology, it's dominion theology. Basically, and this is the basic way I'm going to put this, is um, they have an over-realized like, eschatology, all right? They believe that it's their job to bring Jesus back hmm. through signs, wonders, and miracles. And it's kingdom now theology because they believe, and Bill Johnson's book has named this. Uh, he's the pastor there. Yes, he's he's the pastor there. What is the name of his book? It's literally uh, uh, how to make love last forever. No, no. What is it? <laughs> no, it fell out of my brain after you said uh-huh, that. Uh-huh. Uh, no, it's a. Uh, oh man, I even did a video on it. It has fallen out of my brain, and it's working so well today. I'm proud of myself, but in this moment, MelissaDoherty.co. Oh, what is it? Heaven, heaven on earth. Or heaven on earth. Oh, we're building utopia. Earth, something like that. Yeah. Oh man, oh. I'll get it right after we go off and then I'll okay. I'll get it. But um We'll put it in the show notes. Yes. We'll put it in a link. So don't yes. worry about and it. This... No, we don't want them to get the book. Forget that. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean for for for, for research sake, purposes. Yes. Okay. And I read the whole book. And, All right. Uh he uh is talking about this. As on heaven, as on earth, literally. Uh because if it happens in heaven, it should happen on earth. So if it's kingdom now, the kingdom's now. And they take Acts 2, the Pentecost, way too, it's not that they take it too seriously. I respect the way that they look at certain things. I do. This is overboard, though, over-realized. And so they believe that the kingdom is here and now. That means you shouldn't be sick. You should not be poor. Oh, this yes. is the difference. Yes. Okay. So they, The kingdom so, is already here, despite the fact Jesus saying, in this world you will have trouble, yep. but take heart of overcome the uh-huh. world. Despite Paul saying- Who needs the Bible? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm quoting the Bible. <laughs> Despite Paul saying that everyone who lives a faithful life in Jesus will yeah. will be persecuted. Despite most of Paul's letters being written to suffering Christians, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that we shouldn't be suffering. Yes, that it's there odd. is no suffering. It is that odd. it's our fault because we don't have enough faith. We're not thinking the right things. We're not. That's it. This is strange because the thing is, is that if you were to challenge them with these kinds of scriptures, the idea is, and what I've come across is that a lot of them would agree with you. A lot of them would agree with what you just said. But if you were to talk to somebody who's, say, you know, really in line with these beliefs, the idea is, is that the Bible, it's almost like it's tangible, like you can change it, right? And 
I can't say that they're as bad as somebody in New Thought, but it's really striking how you can come across a passage like that, and you have somebody in New Thought and somebody in a Word of Faith church agree on how to interpret the Bible on some level. And I'm like, oh, that's how you get that interpretation, because it can't be literal. It's really interesting to me how that's something um, that I come across. Now, I cannot say that that is a across-the-board experience that I've had with everybody in this movement. Um, but you're right. You're exactly right. That is the, the the issue with it, is that if you're to take scripture and read it for what it is, it's very interesting how you would come out with the opposite of these beliefs. That's why I believe they need prophets and apostles, because they hear from God. Oh, so are there white pages in the back of their Bibles that we're supposed to <laughs> add revelation to? Do they mean that? What do they mean by that? They can't even say it's authoritative. And see, this is the thing. And again, Holly and Doug do such a good job on this. And uh, the fallacy of ambiguity, in my opinion, is what they do. So what does that mean? Well, you know what, Frank? Today, I have a message from God, and I'm going to tell you that mm-hmm. you're going to have trouble today. <gasps> yeah. Really? Yes. You're going to have trouble today. Tomorrow, you know what? God's trying to tell me that you need to just have courage. You need to have strength. See how ambiguous that Aren't is? Are they just reading the horoscopes? Okay, yes. So here's the thing. It's like, can you not go to a horoscope and walk away with some way that that applies to you? Sure, of course, of course you can. And then you have a get out of jail free card if it doesn't apply because it's vague enough if you're wrong. Hmm. That's my opinion. I think that I believe that's why they have prophets and apostles because people aren't going to that dusty book on the shelf. They're going to their, their apostle. They're going to their prophet to hear from God. And so people end up discarding what scripture says. And that, and, and again, back to the new age, new thought, that's the whole premise. That's the whole idea. New thought made the Bible a self-help book. All right. What does this mean to me? How does this apply to me? All right. And you have that overreach. You have that stretch over into religions and into all these, you know, the mainstream Christianity and people don't realize it. And you have all these, this, this ball of faith kind of just put together that, have the same things in common, but they're separate. And with Bethel specifically, they they don't they don't look at these things like there's something to be avoided. They look at these things and think we can save this because we need more power. And the idea is because they have results. Remember we talked about mm-hmm. that. It works. Mm-hmm. And Ellen Davis and uh, Judy Franklin, they were the two authors for Physics of Heaven. And all the leaders at Bethel, by the way, put this book together. Um, They went to Sedona and saw the results from the New Age. And they're like, wow, there's something here. We're sure missing there is. something. There's the occult. There is power in the occult. <laughs> exactly. That's why you're supposed to stay away from it. Mm-hmm. Yes. There they, is a demonic power. Exactly. And they've been tapping into it at church. Mm-hmm. Yes, Gee. Ironic. And so I, yeah. I actually talked to a, a pastor, uh, which I'll g- probably give more detail here in a little bit in a second, because we're done in 30 seconds, right? <laughs> well, we got another minute. Oh, we have a minute. Yeah. Okay. Well, real quick then. So uh, I talked to a charismatic pastor about this, and I uh, very frankly asked him, I'm like, so I don't understand this. Like, there's people falling on the floor. There's all these crazy things happening. Um where do you draw the line? And he's like, well, honestly, there is no line. I'm like, what do you mean there's no line? And he said, we'd rather open the door and allow everything in, hoping some of it's from God, than close it and miss something from God. Wow. Yeah. So they can allow demonic teachings in along with supposed teachings from God. They have a defense that'll for be that. Just fine. And I'll explain that in a second. <laughs> oh, there's a defense for that. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, 
I can see why this is opening people yeah. up to a lot of trouble and a yeah. lot of confusion. They would say God wouldn't allow them to be deceived. Oh, if, really? Yes. Oh, They would okay. say that that's not something that's possible. And they're deceived about that. Yes, they are. They ironic, are. isn't yes, it? Yes, isn't that ironic? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you're listening. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. My guest, Melissa Doherty, melissadoherty.co.co. Also her YouTube channel. If you want to go into depth on any of the things that she's mentioned here, she probably has a video on that YouTube channel where you can go a lot further. She came out of the New Thought Movement herself. And now she's a Christian apologist, actually going to SES, Southern Evangelical Seminary, SES.edu. Great place to go to school. We're back in two minutes. Welcome back to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. My guest today, Melissa Doherty, melissadoherty.co. Also check her at her YouTube channel. So much of what we talked about is in YouTube videos. Really cool YouTube videos, by the way. Thank you. And, uh, and you know what I really love are those... Uh, satires. Yeah, those satires where you yeah. play all the parts. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> really knew? good. Who knew? It's you kind could... of funny because it's yeah. like you, you take these classes in high school, acting and all the things, and you're like, you, you enjoy them, but then you don't think they're going to be practical later on and... I made something out of it. They are. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Now, let's, let me ask you a question back sure. to the Bethel movement, these folks that yeah. think they're trying to bring the kingdom in now and nobody should ever get sick. Do they think nobody should ever die? You know, and it's funny because they have the oddest excuse for that. I've asked a few people and I've never actually gotten a straight answer. I'm sure they have one, uh, to be sure. It's not like that's a gotcha answer. I'm sure that there is a response, but they believe that you should live to be about 120. Why then? Why do you die then? No. You don't have enough faith? Yeah, basically, I hope. Yeah. Something like that. You know, and the other thing is a uh, sickness. Mm-hmm. So this is the strange thing, is that uh, they believe that, and you have to go back to this, if you are sick and you cannot be healed, there is an element that's either on you or the person praying for you. An they, element. An element, a, a, the reason why that you are not healed has to do with either, say you're sick, Okay, uh-huh. and I'm going over and I'm praying for you and I'm praying on you and over you. They believe that there's power in that that will heal you, as we should. Like they're very good at this. They have a very good, like positive outlook. I- I'm telling you, if I think it was J.P. Moreland, uh, he was making a joke, but he's like, if you want theology, to go, you go to like a reformed church. If you want prayer, you go to a charismatic church. Right. And it was a joke because uh-huh. he's like, that's bad. We should, right. <laughs> we shouldn't have that. They're good at this. Okay. The problem is, is that say I'm praying for you and you're very sick, you're not healed, the blame has to go to you or me. Mm. Has to. Either I didn't have enough Well, it's obviously you. Obviously. I mean, come on. I'm too practical. You didn't pray hard enough. (laughs) I didn't. Uh Something happened. Something went wrong. All right, so. So who did they blame Jesus's death for? Oh, um, they probably say that they're the same thing we'd say. So Paul got executed because it was his fault or Luke didn't pray enough for him? You're asking the same questions that everybody would ask, yes. Okay. This is the same thing I would go to. I'm like, okay, well, how yeah. do you how do you explain that? Like, right. I don't understand. This is the same exact response. It, this is why the prosperity gospel makes no sense. Right. Um, nothing about it is real and tangible in that way. Don't we want to graduate at some point? Mm-hmm. Don't we want to go be with Jesus? Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, James was killed by the Sanhedrin, mm-hmm. thrown off the Temple Mount. Josephus tells us this, by the way. It's not even in a New Testament document. In 62 AD, mm-hmm. he died as a martyr. Mm-hmm. Was it his fault? This is why the kingdom now theology matters. Okay. If you understand their eschatology, you will understand Bethel and why they have the kingdom now 
theology. It's over-realized. And this is why bad theology hurts people. Mm -hmm. If you don't have, even eschatology, you know what? We think, oh, you know, eh, I'll figure it out. You know, and even me, even I admit there's, I don't know if this is the right word, but I'm rather agnostic, right? Where, sure. you yeah. know, I'm like, okay, I, I lean this way, you know, maybe like a pre-mill or... They're really smart people who know more than I do who come to opposite conclusions. Yeah. But we all agree we win in the end. Yes. We know we agree Jesus comes back. Mm -hmm. When and how, that's another. Jesus himself said no one knows the day or the hour, the times or the season. So Jesus is going to come like a thief in the night. We're all agree in yes. agreement on that. Yeah. Okay. We may have different ways of working that out theologically. Mm -hmm. But for people to say that the new heaven, are they saying the new heavens and the new earth are already here? My understanding is that, you know, because you have preterists who believe that the whole Bible has happened. And I'm not even sure if that's the case with them. I believe that they can't believe that. And to be my answer is I don't know okay. what they believe about that. But the, the idea that they believe that there shouldn't be as in heaven is on earth as far as sickness, sickness, poverty, and all the, the things that prosperity, all that negativity, it's like they don't think that that should be part of the Christian life. And I just don't think that that's correct. It hurts mm -hmm. a lot of people. Have any of the pastors in this movement gotten sick and died? Yes. What's the... Who, Bill Johnson's wife, Benny Johnson. Oh, no, really? Yeah. yeah, she got cancer and died like a year ago. Oh. Yes. Well, that's tragic. Mm -hmm. And Sorry to hear that. Yeah, it's very sad. And, and I was very and sad for her. Has him. there been any explanation? She got cancer, um, but no. Uh, I will say that I, I heard that Bill Johnson, when he spoke afterwards, when she died, he gave a really good sermon. Like uh -huh. he, he was hurt. He was sad. And you know, we should be sad with him. Of course. And, um, but the elephant of the, in the room is your theology is broken, right? Like they're praying over her, believing and, and prophesying that she would be healed, her herself. A prophet, I believe she's a prophet, not an apostle, in, in Bethel Church. If she can't be healed, who can be healed? Right. So and whose I fault is it if that's their theology mm -hmm. that it's somebody's fault that she died, either her Hers or, or the Bill's fault because he was praying for something her. like that? Can't be God's fault. It can't be God's sovereign will. It can never be. And this is this is why I started with New Thought. The same concept. You cannot have anything bad if God only wants you to have good. The prosperity but gospel the, overlaps. Virtually all the apostles were martyred. Exactly. How do they? What do they do? Exactly, with that? you're exactly right. That's they don't. It's just, that's the thing. Those are the challenges that they have to wrestle with. That's why there has to be a, a conscious unwillingness to look at certain things, and that's why they have to fall back on apostles and prophets. That's why you have to fall back on your own self-revelation. So when Peter says, "Don't be alarmed that this fiery trial has come upon you, mm -hmm. that you're suffering," how would they interpret that passage? I don't know. I don't know. And that would be a question to ask them. And Paul talks about suffering in 2 Corinthians mm -hmm. 4, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us a greater weight yeah. of glory that and far you know outweighs this. them all. Why do you know that? Yeah. Well, Why do you know all these scriptures? Because we have to... You read the Bible. Yeah, and we and have to it. be yes. able to answer the... It's a great question. Why does... Why do Christians get... Why does anyone get sick? Mm -hmm. Why... Death is a strange why is there thing. yeah why yes. why does it seem to happen even kind of randomly you have somebody who's a Christian dies young mm -hmm. somebody who is not they live long healthy lives why is that those are great questions see and this is this is why I love there's there's a beautiful philosophy too with this and this is why I love SES as well by mm -hmm. the way shout out Southern Evangelical Seminary yeah and they yep. they cover a lot of prolegomena which is a fancy mm -hmm. word for just um, what you do 
what is truth? Does God exist? The before questions mm-hmm. before you even get into the Bible. Yes. Right. Brilliant, by the way. That is brilliant. And so um this is the thing though. It's like if if there's if there's an idea um, bring me back. What were we just talking about? We were just talking about how Paul talks about suffering yes. and Peter. Ta- everyone talks about suffering in the Bible. Oh, death. Yeah. Why? Okay. So I. It's the, all right. So uh, a seminary, seminary professor was talking about this, where uh, the attributes of God, everything's spirit, right? So yeah. it's strange to make something material, humans, right. the earth things we can touch and right, feel and see. Right. And we're in this other realm in that sense, okay? He, and this is really what got me, was the reason why we have to have a resurrection of the body. And for the longest time, it was like, oh, okay, there's a resurrection, but why? Because death is strange. Mm-hmm. That's a strange thing. And so he's redeeming what was lost yes. in a material way. He's restoring it. Exactly. Yeah, he's bringing and so it back. now when you don't understand that that, right? Okay, so take we're talking different things. We're mm-hmm. talking about who God is and how that works and why that works and then oh wow, this looks a lot like the God in the in in the Bible. If you don't have a proper theology of who God even is to begin with, who is this being and why is he the way he is? Why does what are the attributes, right? They don't have that right at all. Okay, so this is where you have the Bible and explain explains God the way that he is and why he does certain things the way he does them. And if you take away one of those, his holiness, sovereignty, and providence, oh man, you have made and a his, big gap. And his judgment. And his judgment. Yeah. You've made a very big gap in mm-hmm. who that God is is. And so in their way, that's what I believe, is that they've taken away the ability for God to have any sort of providence or sovereignty over sickness, over death, or anything like that, and they've taken it upon themselves. Like he couldn't bring good from it due to the ripple effect, exactly. something we talk about in this program exactly. quite a bit. When we mm-hmm. can't see any good coming from a given evil, doesn't mean there isn't good coming from it. Mm-hmm. God can redeem things even hundreds of years from now. Mm-hmm. Events that occur today can ripple forward to affect events hundreds, exactly hundreds of years right. from now. Yes. Uh, everyone experiences the ripple effect. If you just think about your own life, you wouldn't even exist unless your parents met and then their parents met, their parents met before that, et cetera. I mean, Mm -hmm. there are ripples everywhere. Mm -hmm. We can't track them all, but God can. So if God can have a reason that we don't understand or can't anticipate, Mm -hmm. then we can explain why certain evil things occur. And of course, there's many other theodicies, free will, several others. So this is really strange that people take this view on God and the Bible and uh, their theology when it's so contradicted by experience all around them. Mm-hmm. People get yes. sick, people die. Yes. I mean, that's just that's exactly part. what I said. And, and they, they go along just ignoring all that. Yes, yes, you have to ignore it. The reason why is because your mind matters. What you say and mm-hmm. what you believe matters. So you have to ignore it mm. in order to make it real. And it's very strange. It's very odd. And you know, we're the one thing I want people to really understand and get is that a lot of this would be fixed. All of this would be fixed if one thing was held as the standard, the Bible, because for them, it's experience. Your experience. Oh, okay. So experience goes yes. over the Bible. They're using their experience to interpret the Bible yeah. rather than using the Bible to interpret their experience. Yes. Right. Exactly. And it's not just Bethel. Mm-hmm. It's it's people that are, um, you know new age, new thought, whatever, that is their truth. That's that's how they 
my experience is my Bible, I had one woman tell me. Mm. Um, and that's exactly how they would see that. And so I think that's that's the cusp. I think that's the spearhead. For it seems it. also yeah. it's more of the authority of self over the authority of God. You're exactly as right. As well. Yes. Yeah. It's almost narcissism. A little bit, yeah. Theological narcissism. Yeah. <laughs> that somehow I get to control everything. Mm-hmm. There's no room for God if I have a particular thing I want. If I do all the right things, I'm going to get it. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Melissa, it's been delightful having you on and having you on in person. Yeah, this is great. Way better than online. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're going to do it again at some point. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, check out melissadoherty.co. Spell the name again. Doe. Doug Hurdy. D-O-U-G-H. Doug Hurdy. <laughs> D-O-U. Doug Hurdy. <laughs> That's how my husband says. He's like, it's C-O. Doug Hurdy. Yeah, D-O-U-G-H-E-R-T-Y. <laughs> All right, it's been great. Check out her YouTube channel as well. You also see her on the Cross-Examined YouTube channel yeah. quite a bit because she's making a lot of great videos for us as part of the CAT, the Cross-Examined Apologetics team. It's been great being with you and great being with you all out there. Lord willing, we'll see you next week. God bless.